Welcome everyone to the Milky It Podcast, the podcast that as always tugs the teeth of popular culture until it explodes all over your face. I'm David Davis. And I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy, a Yankee Doodle do or die, a real live nephew of my Uncle Sam, born on the 4th of July. It's Boulamon. Holy balls, it's episode 27. Can you imagine? It's episode 27. And thanks to a wonderful review that Milking It Podcast has just received from the US-based podcast magazine, we this week are dedicating the podcast to all y'all Americans. So grab a hamburger and put your cowboy boots on the table. That's right, my hand is firm on my heart. The flag is waving in my hand. It's a patriotic way to feel good. We're going to check out the week of Geek, it's the Milking It podcast. I've got the we start this week's uh, Milking It podcast on a bit of a sad note, uh, as anyone who follows us via milkingitpodcast.com will have seen, and obviously if you follow the news you will have seen as well, uh, the death of Rick Mayle this week stunned us into pretty much sadness and silence, especially uh, for myself and Boo. It, it, it's a, an individual who has influenced us a great deal. We've mentioned him many, many times. Anyone who listened to our, our conversation about sitcoms knows that I counted bottom in, in my top five sitcoms of all time. But also uh, an individual whose style uh, as as a stand-up comic, uh, as, a, a, as a performer within the, the various sitcoms that he did, has definitely, definitely influenced the sort of anarchic stuff that Boo and myself do. Personally, very, very saddened. I'm so I'm sure Boo will feel exactly the same. Absolutely, Dave. The death of Rick Mail, I mean, it's a, it's a huge, huge loss. Mm. He was only uh, 54 years old, is that correct? Uh, 56, yeah. Very, very young. And, um, it was so unexpected. Very, very influential. Mm. Um, obviously started off in the early 80s with the Dangerous Brothers, with uh, Aid Edmondson, um, a comic partnership that would um, carry on until his death. Yeah. Uh, Aid Edmondson himself um, came and... Uh, came out and said about Rick Mail, he's dead for real without me. Selfish bastard. And uh, if you are familiar with those two at all, you will see that as the most fitting tribute possible. <laughs> In a way, it's it's a shame because um, they had just cancelled the plans for the new Bottom series uh, mm. set on Hooligans Island. Um, and um, it, just, it just never came to be. And maybe that's for the best now because of um, this terrible situation that's happened. It, it wouldn't have seen the light of day regardless. Obviously, being a big fan of Rick Mel from the 80s, from, from, from the Dangerous Brothers to the Young Ones, mm. to the New Statesman, to, to everything he's done, it's, um, it's just gold. And uh, recently we were talking about re- reboots, as we do here on the Milk and It podcast. And the subject of Drop Dead Fred came up. Mm. And uh, one of the main points we all agreed on is that it would have to be some very, very, very special and big shoes to fill uh, when it comes to taking a role away from Rick Mail, he he, uh, he had his health problems. He had a, a quad accident 
uh, not the Kevin Nash kind. He had a uh, quad bike accident mm. um, in 1999 where his skull was crushed, and I'm, I'm to understand that um, he was never quite the same after that. I think it's a great loss to um, to, to comedy in general, um, and uh, I, for one, uh, thank Rick Mel for everything that he did. Thank him for all the influences that he gave me and Dave and kind of led us on. Uh, he's one of those comedians that's led us on, and I think it's only fitting that my real memory of Rick Mayle will, of course, be as Lord Flashheart. Hazar. Woof. Indeed. Absolutely. One of those characters uh, that comes along very rarely, and people throw around the term genius, but in terms of people that have influenced me and the way that I do things and stuff that I enjoyed, I remember being a, a very young kid um, watching him on Jack and Ori. And Jack and Ori... For people outside the UK who are listening to the podcast, uh, Jack and Ori was a TV series on the BBC uh, where uh, famous people would come on and they would read a story. And it would be sometimes the most hellacious experience, the most boring experience you could ever go through. It was turgid with some of the characters on there. I remember Kenneth Williams being on once and he was wonderful and amazing and piqued my interest and would later uh, become one of my comedy heroes. But the other guy who I absolutely adored on Jack and Ori was Rick Mayle because he came on there and I must have been probably six or seven and he came on he read uh, Roald Dahl's uh, George's Marvelous Medicine one of my favorite books of all time um, and he, he read it and he was so good and he emoted so well and he had that wonderful sort of childlike anarchy to his his performance it was just spellbinding and to this day, I mean, thank goodness, Jay, uh, one of the contributors to the show, uh, put it up on Facebook uh, in the wake of uh, Rick Mal's death. Um, the, the clip that's on YouTube, you can you can watch the whole thing. In fact, it's not just a clip, uh, but just beautiful, wonderfully done. It still brings back those memories when I see it now. In fact, I, th- I think um, we were talking earlier before we, we started recording. There was another uh, series on Channel Four, I think, where he did um, Grim Grim Tales. Rick Mail's Grim Tales, which, yes. um, yeah. which was, uh, he would introduce and read various fairy tales and we would see um, kind of claymation and animation yes, paint the stories yeah. out. With a, with a big chair with turkey feet and um, hands that came that he had to keep smacking, <laughs> which sounds like the most bizarre thing of all time. But it, it was very bizarre. And he was constantly oh, was that shifting made... and moving, wonderfully done. Yes. Oh, sorry, I believe that was made with the Muppet company i believe that was a henson um deal i i would not be surprised it had that kind of feel to it definitely it was it was <clears> absolutely <throat> wonderful but he he was just one of those characters uh, it, his performance style suited adults and children because children just loved that kind of he was the guy that you wish you were friends with and he was just absolutely brilliant so uh, you know, i just wanted to share um one more rick mail story mm-hmm. before, we, before we wrap this up um just to give you an idea of how great he was at knowing his audience and knowing the type of comedy that he does. Um, there was a story that on the New Statesman, he was given a line um, which was meant to get a laugh out of the audience, but he right. actually bet the other actors that he could get three laughs by not changing anything about the scene. So um, they all went, well, okay, go for it. So just before he delivers the line, he kind of had a manic look on his face. That was the first laugh. <laughs> then he said his line, second laugh. Then he just twisted his face up again, and that got the third laugh. The man knew comedy, he knew timing, yeah. he was a great writer, a great comedian, and a great influence, and I, for one, am 
really going to miss him. So rest in peace, Rick Mail. Driver Parkhurst reporting for duty, my lord. Well, 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 if it isn't little Bobby Parkhurst, saucier than a direct hit on a Heinz factory. <laughs> I've come to pick you up. Well, that's how I like my girls. Direct and to my point. Woof! Woof! Tell me who then, Bobby? Hush, here comes a whiz-bang! And I think you know what I'm talking about. God, it's like crufts in here. So, it's episode 27, and it's, as usual, uh, time of the week to take a stroll through the week of geek in this week's Geek News. So, Booley, what is first on the agenda for this week's stroll for the week of Geek? Dave, it's been a very busy week for video Mm. games and a fairly quiet week for TV and movie news. So I think we need to get through some movie news first. So I'll start you off with a, as we like to do here on the Milk and It podcast, with a bit of superhero movie news. Ah, excellent. Yes, let's let's dive straight into superhero news. Yes, um, the continuing saga of the Ant-Man movie continues. Mm. Hence the continuing saga. Um, <laughs> the, the, the clues in the uh, the wording, sir. So, great yes. start. Well done. Yes. Great start. Soldiering uh, on. Uh, uh, get it. Get it. Get it. And so, uh, so, soldiering on like a like. Yeah. Carry on. So Ant Man, uh, <laughs> as you may remember, Dave, a couple yes. of weeks ago, um, Edgar Wright mm. uh, left the Ant Man movie as director. Yeah. And various names were chucked into the hat, one of which was Adam McKay, the director yep. of Ankman. Strange choice, well, but yes. They have found their director. Whoa. It's not Adam McKay. Is it me? Adam McKay is going to rewrite the script, which, in my opinion, even though I've not read it yet, it was written by uh, Joe Cornish yep. and uh, Edgar Wright, therefore doesn't need rewriting. It's already perfect. Uh, but no. <laughs> Adam McKay is going to rewrite the script, and the director is going to be Peyton Reed, who um, whose credits include Bring It On, the uh, cheerleading comedy. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, Down yeah. With Love. Oh, yeah, one of my favourites, yeah, yeah. And The Yes Man, starring yeah, um, Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey yes, yeah. Which I've genuinely seen. I, I must admit, yeah, I've I have seen, seen Down With I've not seen Down With Love. I have seen Bring It On. I used to like it in the, back in the day, as I used to say, the early 2000s. And um, The Yes Man, I, I actually quite enjoyed the Yes Man, which was um, Danny Wallace. Uh, the, the novel is absolutely brilliant. If you never read it, I would genuinely say go go and read that. Uh, much better than the film, but I can see where the film kind of came from. But uh, sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> well, yes, basically, Ant Man is now going to be directed by Peyton Reed and okay. with Adam McKay to rewrite the script. Mm. It's going to be a very, very, very different film to the one that we've been promised for the last two years. Right? Yeah. Again, I mean, I mean we, we said this in the last podcast, but. I just think it, it does smack of them originally thinking, oh, yeah, we can give someone the, the, the space to go and do their own kind of Marvel movie. And now they feel there is the stereotypical Marvel movie, quote unquote. I'm doing, stick to the, I'm doing, stick to the yeah. formula, people. Stick yeah, to the formula. Completely. And, and obviously Edgar Wright is not that kind of director. He's not the kind of person who's used to slotting into those Hollywood things so unfortunately yeah no longer a, a part of the film but I, I still look forward to seeing what they do with it but unfortunately yeah Edgar Wright no longer involved it was going to be a very British affair um, mm. whereas now it, maybe not so much and the problem is they're sticking with the release date of next year so 
Holy I mean, this shit. is going to be rushed, rushed, rushed. Wow. Talk about a rushed movie. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's quite insane. Next bit of uh, hero news. Not much, mm. No more news on Ant-Man, unfortunately, um, to go on at the moment. Um, back into Marvel. Yep. Uh, the, rumor, the rumor machine has spat out two names to be playing Doctor Strange in the next Marvel um, phase of movies. Yep. Uh, one of which is Tom Hardy. Oh, Previously, wow. okay. Bane. Bane. Oh, what a lovely singing voice. Yes. Strange, you say? With the other name being Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, Ooh. there we go. I'm sure, Boo, you're a massive fan of Benedict Cumberbatch, aren't you? Um, I like the person. Whenever I see him <laughs> on talk shows and stuff like that, I think he's a very nice guy. I'm not that big on Sherlock. I didn't what? really enjoy... It's all right. Oh, come on. Sorry, if we're talking kind of like BBC produced shows, I'd preferred Life on Mars. Yeah, no, yeah, I can see the the, the Life on Mars thing. And that's what it's kind of like, in a way. Did you ever watch the the really awful Harvey Keitel American version? No, I heard plenty plenty about it, enough to make my own decision not to watch it. it. It ends with them actually going to Mars. It's honestly, it's it's the most freaking surreal thing you'll ever watch. It's on YouTube. Check it out. It's just bizarre compared I, to. I, I will give it a go, David. Just on the basis of <laughs> you. you do, so sorry. We're, this is meant to be our pro-American show. Oh yes, well. sorry. Um, yes, I loved it, and I thought the Americans. Uh, sorry, <clears throat> Americans. They. they, um, they... They've, they've done a brilliant job with The Office. They've done a brilliant job with um, oh, yes, uh, yes. Shameless. Yeah, um, and um, uh, and we'll never forgive them and... for what they tried to do to Red Dwarf. So, uh... oh, but you don't like Red Dwarf, Dave. No, I'm just joking. Ah, I know you do. Episode I know you 25, do. kids, if you want to see what he means by that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, sorry, <clears throat> I digress. Tom yes. Hardy and Benedict Cumberbatch have okay. been rumoured to be playing Doctor Strange. Okay, so, so, whoa. Handbrake. So, out of the two, who do you go for? Um, neither. I'd no, no see... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm talking about a night out. I'm, no, sorry. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 I was going to say, I'd rather have Tom Selleck at this point. Oh, dear Lord. Um, <laughs> Tom Hardy or Benedict Cumberbun, um, who I, I would say Tom Hardy, to be fair. Yeah, no, totally. Benedict Cumberbatch looks nothing like, or and I don't see it, I don't see Doctor Strange in him at all. <laughs> well... David, David. Um, no, the thing is, though, kind of, no, he's an older guy. Doctor mm. Strange is an older guy. He's yeah, yeah. a mustachioed wonder, very much like I, uh, our, I, I, our good friend Robert Downey Jr. Or so, John, you know, or I'm not intending that. As they both, yeah, as I've said previously, Johnny Depp, who would have been a perfect fit. Sadly, that is right. That works. Yeah. That would have been perfect. You know, he's in his fifties. He's he is that still good-looking guy who looks about. Well, ten years younger than I do, um, but he would have been the perfect fit for it. However, I, I, I do think, especially after seeing Bronson, I think definitely Tom Hardy for that role would be pretty much smack on. It just depends on you know whether the accent and everything else. But he's a great actor, to be fair. He's done so many different roles. He he would be very very suited. I, I'd rather see Tom Hardy than Benedict Cumberbatch, definitely. And they've also confirmed that the director would be Scott Derrickson, mm. who previously made uh, The Exorcism of Emily Rose and The Day the Earth Was Still, and 
when investigating, I found out that he'd also wrote the screenplay for one of my least favourite films ever, yeah. which was Hellraiser Inferno. I'm a big fan of the Hellraiser films. This was meant to be Hellraiser 5. Absolute dog shit. Um, listen up <laughs> to the Totally Insane Tape Show for potentially a review in the future, but it, it's, it's, it's real bad. It's oh, real bad. dear, oh dear. Um, you were talking about uh, the films that were being rushed when we talked about Ant-Man. Uh, there was an announcement of a film which will definitely be rushed. <laughs> it's the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Nice uh, segue, sir. I Thank you. Thank yes, you. Yeah, I, used to, right. I used to do hospital radio. I'm used to this. <laughs> hey, he's kind of a big deal. <laughs> and I'm totally massive was... on the Burns Ward. Anyway, oh, yes. no, tell us more about this Sonic movie, David. Um, so Sega have announced that alongside uh, Sony, they are developing a uh, Sonic the Hedgehog movie. And apparently it's going to be a bit of a sort of Roger Rabbit style thing from what I'm, I'm reading online. It's it, apparently a mixture of live action and CG. That's awesome. It's, it's, hmm. it's a really, I'm sorry, I think it's a great idea. Sonic the Hedgehog has been a huge, huge franchise yeah, for yeah. well for, for well over twenty years now, and um, like it's time. And video games have always had a raw deal when it comes to the cinema experience. Yeah. Um, apart from Wreck It Ralph, which was kind of forgettable after a while, mm. which is a shame because it was a decent movie. Yeah, it was but, um, good fun. You know, with the, with the death of Bob Hoskins recently, we reviewed uh, the Mario Brothers movie on the Totally Insane Tape Show. It's just a lot to go on um, mm. for bad movies. There's been Double Dragon, Street Fighter, the movie Street Fighter, The Legend of Chung Lee, Tekken. Oh, my God, the list of shite goes on and on. Yeah, House of the Living Dead, uh, House of the Dead even. Um, just rubbish. Um, if this can pull it off and be the world's first decent video game film, I'm all for it. I think um, in the same way that the Lego movie was successful, you could get, if you got the right script to it, if they do it in that style, like I've and to be fair, I was dead against it, but I've just used an analogy which made me go, oh, okay, yeah, that could. If it's like a Roger Rabbit style thing of you know, interaction and you know it's, it's a fun script and there's good characters and they sort of bring in other Sega characters and it's kind of an in joke stuff. Well, like, the that name could be amazing. A name that's already being thrown around when talking about this is that there will be supporting characters, including. Dr. Eggman. Sold. Slash Dr. Robotnik, as he's known in Europe. Robotnik, yeah. I mean, that's, but, oh, Matt. Okay, yeah, that's one to watch, definitely. That is one we'll be tracking on the Milking Podcast. Definitely. Just uh, an offshoot of that news, Dave, is um, <clears throat> from that, from the same, from Sony Pictures, they're, they're, first of all, they're going to be releasing a Goosebumps movie based on the R.L. Stein book starring Jack Black, and that's going to be next year. Mm. And the people writing the Sonic movie have just finished working on a live-action Jetsons uh, script. Wow. Okay, mm. so so a, a, a few episodes ago, we spoke about a Flintstones reboot where they're doing it as a, a, a 3D computer animated thing. Um, and we said, oh, we're so glad they're moving away from a live action because that never works when you try and do that. And, you know, the John Goodman, uh, uh, Rosie O'Donnell uh, Flintstones film was one of the worst films you could ever sit through. And now they're going back to that idea with the Jetsons. In a, oh, okay. Any any news other than just the fact it exists, or no, no, just the fact that it's out there and it's a possibility of existing. And really, though, I always found the Jetsons quite boring, and compared to the Flintstones, even though they're not too dissimilar. Um, there, I heard a great rumor the other day that um, 
Well, it's not a rumour, it's a theory. Someone was saying that the Flintstones and the Jetsons are set in exactly the same time, except the Jetsons live in the sky and the Flintstones live down below, and it's just like a crazy cross-timeline. I just like the concept of it. Um, I, you know, I'm never a big fan of the Jetsons, um, but I'd, I'd kind of be interested to see what they do with it. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and I think, you know, if anyone has ever been to an airport and been on those long sort of carousels that are flat... There is there is no person who's ever watched the Jetsons that doesn't stand on those going. Here's Dave Jetson. Yeah, completely because you feel like you're in the Jetsons, and that's the only. And I remember Rosie the maid, and that's about it. But yeah, I'm not sure I'd I'd want to sit through a live action Jetsons movie. To be fair, it's yeah, it's one of the weaker Hanna Barbera cartoons, definitely. And all of that coming off the news of a brand new Sonic the Hedgehog movie coming from Sony Pictures. <laughs> Indeed. I believe something's celebrating their anniversary this week, Dave. <laughs> Why don't you tell us all about it? Uh, yes, um, I believe today, in fact, uh, at the time of recording, uh, Dumb and Dumber turns 20 years old. and they oh, have... that... What? Oh, what? well, uh, yes, Dave, that's true. But also sharing an anniversary that 30 years ago, two, uh, a couple of days ago, 30 years to the day, we saw the release of not just Ghostbusters in the cinemas, but Gremlins as well. Can you imagine that they both were open on the same day? Hmm. That is madness. But sorry, you were saying, um, to a lesser extent, Dumb and Dumb 20? 20? Yeah, that's why I'm saying it, because that will make the Milksters feel as old as the hills, sir. Uh, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, I went and saw this at the cinema, Dumb and Dumber, the first Dumb and Dumber film, Jim Carrey, uh, at his best, it has to be said. Um, But yes, uh, they have released a new trailer for the brand new Dumb and Dumber 2, as it's known, but spelt T-O instead of T-W-O, because they're cool and uh, everything else. But uh, did you get a chance to watch the trailer? No, no, I haven't. That, that only came out today. It's something mm. I'm, I'm, I'm looking to do when we finish up here. Um, I, I did like the first one. I've got to admit, it wasn't my favourite Jim Carrey film. Um, back in those days, I was a bigger fan of Ace Ventura and The Mask until me, myself and Irene came out, which, to be, to be honest, I still think is the pinnacle of um, Jim Carrey comedy. Really? See, I was a big, I was a Cable Guy fan. And cable I... Guy is so underrated, man. People yeah. always slag it off, but the cinematography... And um, some of the some of the stuff in there is well ahead of its time. I think his his performance in that is brilliant. I also think. (laughs) (laughs) I I also think um, you you have to say uh, like Man on the Moon as well for me is that's probably my. No, no. If we're going serious, no, I don't count that as a comedy day because it is funny. Don't get me wrong. But uh, no, I think I is. like no, no, no. But listen to me, man. Truman, <laughs> okay, <pizza>. dude. <laughs> Truman Show, <clears throat> yes, Zoics. Um, Truman Show and Man on the Moon are so good individually as mm. separate pieces. I'm not talking his zany comedies. Me, myself, and Irene, Ace Ventura, all this stuff. Um, liar, liar. Even the Yes Man. They all come under the kind of zany comedy. Um, Bruce yeah. Almighty. All of these movies. But then Truman Show and uh, Man on the Moon. And there is another one which I haven't seen, which I believe is called Numbers. Is that right? That the number twenty-three? Yes, that sounds right. Um, I, I don't have to hand, but yeah, that, I, that sounds familiar. It's not one that I've seen, but yes, I, I believe he. Was... I've not seen it either, but apparently he's really good in that too. But I'm just saying, like Man on the Moon, just as a standalone piece, is such an incredible film. Absolutely love it. 
Um, oh god, Eternal Sunshine as well. How can you forget Eternal Sunshine? Oh my god, yeah. Is it, to be fair, he's done a lot of good stuff that people probably don't give him credit for because yeah, totally. The, the majority totally. of people see him as that that gurning, gooding idiot that uh, just <laughs> appears everywhere. But let's let's not forget Jeff Daniels in Dumb and Dumber because oh, of course not. Sorry, yes. yeah, he he is absolutely fantastic, and I, I am genuinely looking forward to watching the next one. The the trailer made me laugh more than I thought I would. I thought it was going to be very forced and very awful, but it genuinely looked looks like it could be could be a very interesting sorry film. dave did you by any chance see the incredible burt wonderstone last year no i didn't i didn't get around to watching that right, once again kerry play uh, kerry plays like a chris angel type magician Ooh. magician 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 yes yeah, magician. yeah let's call the whole thing off yes <laughs> <laughs> no but um he was really really good in that yeah it was the number 23 sorry i was just killing time to check i was right but ah, yes there we go um but also, yeah, the incredible Burt Wonderstone. That's Jim Carrey, uh, Steve Buscemi, and yep. Steve Carell. Mm. Very funny guys. Not a bad movie. I only watched it once and didn't feel the need to see uh, to rush out and see it again. But yes, Jim Carrey's been in plenty. So a Dumb and Dumber Two is what what we, we're talking about. Indeed, and, and sorry, yes, I <laughs> I, I, um, I completely misunderstood what you t- <laughs> when you were trying to lead me into uh, talking about anniversaries. Of course, the biggest anniversary this week was that Ghostbusters turned 30. I was probably trying to ignore it because it makes me feel really old to say that Ghostbusters has turned the big 3-0. Can you imagine Ghostbusters 30 years ago they did it? Um, but they've d- decided that they're going to celebrate by uh, not only releasing it on Blu-ray so you can get a proper HD quality movie version of it and they've gone back they've uh, found the old negatives they've re- remastered it so it is going to be decent because the current Blu-ray is one of the worst Blu-rays you can watch it's like watching the DVD version with lines everywhere and everything else it, it's dreadful so it's going to be a proper version you can get a, a fantastic special edition version which has a uh, statue of Slimer and the Ghostbusters logo should you so wish they've also announced that they're going to be releasing various toys and various bits and pieces including the ecto-1 which uh, has come out in lego form we've talked about it previously on the milking podcast mr d here has one he spent two and a half hours putting it together and it looks really sexy it looks absolutely wonderful on the side i, I really love it but the big news is they're putting it back in theaters you can go and watch Ghostbusters this year before it comes out on Blu-ray, before it's the big remastered edition. You can go to a cinema and watch Ghostbusters. I, for one, if it happens in the UK, I know it's definitely happening in the States. If it happens in the UK, sign me up, sir. I am there. Awesome. Happy anniversary, Ghostbusters. Happy anniversary, Gremlins. And to a lesser extent, happy anniversary, Dumber Dumber. <laughs> um, just off... Um, off from the comedy and into the galaxy david is our weekly stroll through the star wars news Mm. um and my favorite bit of star wars news this week came from the man himself jj abrams uh the the, there's been photos leaked of the set building of the millennium falcon yeah he responded by writing a note saying that any um pictures you see of the millennium falcon any any rumors the Millennium Falcon will be in the next movie are false, signed J.J. Abrams. That's fine. Did you notice what the bit of paper was resting on, Mr. D? I did. I believe it may have been a uh, certain chessboard, sir. Well, Dave, let me nerd you out a little bit, my friend. What it was was the holographic chess table, um, but it's actually but actually in its original uh, Wookiee language, it's called a Dejaric 
table. Oh, wow. Okay. Nerd factor 10, sir. There you go. Um, but yes, always let the Wookiee win, especially mm-hmm. when he's playing Dejeric. And uh, I think that's a lovely little tongue-in-cheek thing from J.J. Abrams, basically saying, okay, you know now, can we stop having the leaked photos? In yeah. fact, I'm going to jump in on the fun just for this little bit. The, the more I hear about Star Wars, the more excited I get. Um, do you remember a couple of weeks ago I was talking about the leaked Hasbro memo? Mm. Uh, that keeps coming up again. Well... Um, to add credence to that rumour, yes, uh, they've just found the director for the second Star Wars spin-off movie, um, which would be Josh Trask, who uh, directed the uh, movie Chronicle, which was like a uh, found-footage superhero kind of teen angst movie. I don't know if you got a chance to see that. Yeah, I did. It was actually quite good. I, um, I, I'm not a big fan of like the found footage stuff, but it was it was it was very very decent. But he's also linked to another sort of superhero big franchise at the moment. He's also linked to the the Fantastic Four reboot. The oh, contra- sorry, yes, you'd said before, yes. The con- the controversial Fantastic Four reboot. Did you call him? Reboot. <laughs> the controversial <laughs> Fantastic Four reboot. So, um, yeah, we, we've spoken about it ad nauseum on the Milking Podcast. Yes, uh, so we, we all know my uh, opinion and we all know Dave's opinion. opinion. And yes, 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 yes. Uh, but yes, so Fantastic Four is his first thing. He will then be dropping into... Uh, you wouldn't, sorry, you wouldn't find Gareth Edwards because he's the director of the first Star Wars spin-off. You wouldn't have him making his Godzilla movie but making Godzilla blue, would you? Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, that's Josh Trank that, yeah, that, uh, to direct the second mm. Star Wars spin-off which um, I believe in the Hasbro memo would have been the movie Solo. Uh, yes. Which followed the Boba Fett movie. Which, again, this week there's been rumours that it is about a young Han Solo. So it's it, we've kind of... We, we talked about it when we talked about the Hasbro memo, um, that it might be to do with his kids or something else, but the rumour is it's going to be about a young Han Solo. So someone will be playing... <sighs> A young cancer. Do you know but, who the room name is, Mr. David? Please do tell. Well, a friend of the show, Andrew Judas Carter, uh, let me know today. Sorry, 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 ma- sorry, sorry, sorry. Before we go, right. Judas has pointed out on Facebook, and Milksters, if you're on Facebook, you'll see this. It's uh, www.milkingitpodcast.com, and you can get on board. Andrew Judas Carter has pointed out so many mistakes across the, <laughs> that Boo has made. He is now in my head known as Judge Judas. Judge <laughs> Judas. He is the per- he will look he literally looks over everything we do and anything that Boo gets wrong he points out on Facebook. So if you want to laugh then definitely get onto milkingitpodcast.com and you will see some of the stuff that Judas puts on. And I really appreciate it because I like to think of myself as a slightly sort of higher power in the the democracy that is the Milking It podcast. But um yeah, anyway, sorry. Yes, Judas has pointed out many many you Ready things. are you ready for this Dave? Remember the movie about the shitty sparkly vampires? I, Twilight, sir? Well, apparently, apparently, Ooh. it's going to be that Pattinson guy. Robert Pattinson. He will be playing Han Solo. In, that's the rumour. Now, whether this is a rumour to wind people up Possibly. Uh, in the same way that Justin Bieber made the joke that he was going to get cast as Robin, that was before he made a racist gag or the video of him being a, a horrible little racist came up mm. on the up on the internet that boy is to, 
just a disgusting joke of a human being. Indeed, um, sir. And that's before I even take his music into consideration. Um, but no, apparently it's Robert Pattinson. And Judas said, "Give him a, if it is true, give him a chance before you shit all over it. Can I not just shit all over it and then admit I was wrong if it's any good? Yeah, I think it's probably safe to shit all over it and then say, oh, I'm, I'm wonderfully surprised. He managed to pull it out of his arse. It was wonderful. Yeah, it's... Uh... But then again, when people sort of looked at um, the, the quote-unquote new trilogy, uh, did they ever think that uh, a young Anakin would be the the actor they thought? You know, everyone, there was one every... Disney Club member that I will allow in the new Star Wars films, and that's because he has proven himself to be a fantastic actor and comedian time and time again, and that's my boy Justin Timberlake. Okay? Oh. He's the only ex-Mickey Mouse Club guy that I wouldn't mind seeing in Star Wars. That's it. You can fuck your Britney Spears off, you can fuck your Lindsay Lohans off, you can fuck your little whatever they're called. I don't know any of the fucking Disney kids these days. <laughs> just... Miley Cyrus was a Disney kid. Oh, don't... Oh. That, that that boy's got is- that boy's got issues. <laughs> who is this? Who is this Mikey Cyrus guy? He, he's the, the the kid with the short blonde hair that keeps pointing at his little dick. But she came in like a wrecking ball, apparently. I don't know that song, Dave. So let's keep it that way. Okay. Um, <laughs> Talking of Star Wars, as we were before we got distracted, um, they have announced they are going to film uh, pretty much the rest of the films in the UK, which is quite cool. So they are sticking with that idea. So even though they are now part of Disney and it's all based over in the US, they have said that the the experience they've had so far uh, filming Episode Seven it, it has led to them saying that we are going to film more of them in the UK, which is, that's pretty cool. Good, because it means it'll be cheaper to hire us when the time comes. Because by the time 8 comes around, by the time 9 comes around, we will be geek mega stars. And it's all thanks to you, the lovely milksters. No. <laughs> Fair dues, yes. I, I think if, if anyone needs us to be like to sort of walk on parts, we're doing a geeky podcast on Coruscant, whatever you want. Or yeah, Honestly, I will wear... I'll wear the slave layer outfit. I'm not. I'm not afraid to say that. If, if and I will put my Wookiee suit on. It's not exactly authentic. I made it myself out of Coco's random hairs, but but it looks good. <laughs> what more could you want? There we go. We, we're starting this now. Hashtag get milking it on stalls. On yes, <laughs> I'm sure it will do. Dick all. Um, okay, <laughs> the, the final bit of movie news I had, sir, is that the um, I know you're you're a big horror fan, uh, but you are also a fan, as we hear every week on the uh, uh, Tits podcast, the Totally Insane Tape Show, um, that you are a fan of rubbish horror as well. Oh yeah, I like a good old bit of shit as well. <laughs> okay, so you must be a fan of the Leprechaun movies. Yes, of course, starring uh, star, uh, starring Star Wars stalwart as we just mentioned, mm. uh, Warwick Davis. Indeed, I wish I thought of that segue, sir, but I did not. Um, uh, the so Leprechaun Origins is a brand new movie that's been developed by WWE Studios. Another thing we like to talk about wrestling, um, and they have put out their first trailer. Uh, have you had a chance to see it yet, sir? Uh, no, I haven't. But am I to understand there's something? Uh, there's a little something <laughs> missing from the trailer. There is. They've put a trailer out for Leprechaun Origins. Don't show the f***ing leprechaun. 
which I can understand because we were talking about this in, in a couple of podcasts ago when we said about the whole idea you don't reveal the the, the the creature and everything else but you need to give something you've got to have at least a glimpse of the leprechaun in the and we train. see him like walking in the sh- like in an alleyway and you see the shadow on the wall yeah or you could see him from behind you know you know front lit or just something that gives the idea of that it's going to be the leprechaun but yeah so they they have that it, it's it's looking meh uh, they've basically announced that it's um it's not going to theaters so you will not be able to go to the cinema to see this um, dreadful what a dreadful bit of news listen then <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna have to sit down for a moment um yeah basically they've said that it's coming out on um video on demand at the end of august and then comes out on DVD and Blu-ray at the start of September. So we uh, we wait with bated breath, and I cannot wait for the uh, the Tits podcast to review Leprechaun Origins because it sounds dreadful. Hello, milksters. Your old pal and friend of the show, Mossman here, off of Eighties Classic Cartoon, Masters of the Universe. As you can imagine, I've had a lot of time on my hands since that cartoon finished and I've been aching to hear some quality, geeky podcast that rounds up all the news in a nice, tight package. Only thing is, we don't have iPhones. Not after old King Randor fell out with Steve Jobs back in 92. Well, imagine my delight that now the Milk and Get podcast is available on Stitcher for Android users like myself. Stitcher.com has all the information. Oh, I can't wait to tell Fisto. He'll be well made up. Hi, I'm Barry Scott. Are you having problems with your everyday podcast? Well, why don't you grab some tin? It's a totally insane tape show featuring Dino Peppers and Poon and reviewing the very best and very worst of cult cinema. Get it in your kitchen, get it in your ear. I'm Barry Scott. Oh, bloody hell. Come on, boo. Supposed to be recording like a half hour ago. Stood around like some sort of fucking lemon waiting for him. Got my notes. I've actually prepared this week. I'm not having to rely on him. Let's have a look out the window. Is it around? I can see this now. Oh, here he is. Oh, hang on. Yep, here he is. Coming up the stairs. Do, 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 do. Oh, ho, 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 Bully. Where did you get that yes. T-shirt, you... You sexy pig! I've never found you so attractive. Dave, I've never felt more attractive than while wearing this T-shirt. It says, "Got milking it." That's right, milking it merch is now available. You can have Boulamont and Dave Davis across your chest, twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, and it's all available via a link on the MilkingItPodcast.com. MilkingItPodcast.com. I also hear they sell mugs, so I can have your hot liquid tipped into my mouth. Whenever you want. <laughs> Stand aside, boo. Let me do that keyboard. I'm going to do some shopping. Right, Dave. Time for the TV news, I believe. Hmm, indeed. What's been happening in TV news this week, Boolier? Dave, there's only two items that have appeared on my radar, but both of them are very exciting, especially for comic book fans. Mm. The first one. Let's get this out of the way, because the second one I am reading with excitement about. Um, the first bit of news comes from the Constantine TV show. Uh, oh. The new trailer came out this week, and a very familiar artifact from the DC Universe was seen in tra- in the trailer for Constantine, oh. which was the helm of Dr. Fate. 
Uh, yes, Dr. Fate's uh, iconic helmet could be seen clearly about 40 minutes in to the trailer. So wow. this is the new Constantine TV show starring Matt Ryan and Lucy Griffith. Griffith. And um, I'll be honest, uh, it looks all right. It looks it looks fairly decent. And um, if, if it washes the taste away, the terrible movie with Keanu Reeves uh, that came out, um, God, about 10 years ago now. Mm. But yeah, I'm all for it. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. No, absolutely. I, I, from what you've said and... Like I, I was only aware of the the character as much as I am a, a, a DC guy. I was only aware of the character from the movie. I'd, I'd never come across him from the comics and everything else. But um, from what you've been saying and from what I've read about Constantine, I, I, it sounds like they are going properly with the canon of those comic books. They're not kind of trying to stretch it out and do some Americanized version of it. He's an English guy and he, he you know, he's got these characters appearing in it. And yeah, the, the idea of fate appearing is, ah, oh, very cool. And, and, and nice again, that they're doing these little nods that, you know, 99% of the people that probably watch that trailer won't get that reference, but it's those little comic book things that keeps people coming back and, and gets geeks excited. That's why we're mentioning it now. I mean, are you aware of justice league doc? Yes, uh, uh, vaguely, uh, yes. Yeah. It's uh, Constantine, uh, Madame, Madame Zan- Zanadu, Dead Man, Zaytana, Frankenstein, and I believe Swamp Thing. Mm. Um, I might be wrong in that. But yeah, they've, got the, they've kind of got this Supernatural Justice League, so I'm wondering whether they're going to do that within this TV universe, because there's a rumour that Guillermo del Toro is making a spin-off DC movie that will have this specific team, um, oh, the wow. Justice League Dark in it. Um, and it's all, all, all the kind of supernatural guys. Um, but yeah, it sound, sounded really interesting. But that was, what, I mean, what, that was... Sorry, but what a perfect match for a director. Oh, yeah, no, it, um, it, it's the film version that he had planned was would be Dead, Dead Man, Swamp Thing, Constantine, and Spectre. Wow. Um, but with the TV show now a real thing, this could be, could be real. Um, but yeah, no, sorry, back to the Constantine TV trailer. It does look really cool. And adding that to the already... Um, mm. huge amount of superhero TV shows at the moment from Flash coming out soon. You've got Green Arrow and various other, sorry, Arrow, not Green Arrow, just Arrow, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> you've got plenty to keep you interested. Mm. Um, from DC TV news, though, I have to switch to Marvel TV news. Ooh. Now, David, you remember uh, a few months ago we were talking about the Defenders miniseries, which would be the Dead, which would have four individual series, starting with Daredevil. Um, and, this is uh, the, uh, the Netflix exclusive. Is the Netflix yeah. well, they They announced last week, as here uh, as heard on the Milking It podcast, that they'd uh, they'd already cast Daredevil, and he's going to be a Brit. They have cast William Fisk, aka the Kingpin, one of the most iconic villains for me mm. in the Marvel universe. You may remember him from the Spider-Man animated series and various others. Um, they have got just the most perfect bit of casting in my opinion, that I've heard in a very long time. Yes. Now, the, uh, in the movie version, the Kingpin was played by Michael Duncan Clark. Clark, yep. Um, and there's a few things wrong with that. Not that I'm going to point out, but if you've seen the movie and you know the character, you'll know that there are a few issues with that bit of casting. I woke up this morning to the news that one of my favourite actors has been cast as the Kingpin, and that's Vincent D'Onofrio, um, of Full Metal Jacket's fame. He was in Men in Black, and he was in Law and Order, most famously. Mm. Uh, just a fantastic actor. He was also in a really cool little sci-fi movie called The 13th Floor. Yes, yeah. Uh, where he's mm. a guy within a computer. He, he makes a, um, a computer-generated world, 
within a computer that he can go into. And it was uh, it's set in the, uh, he, he took himself back to like the 1920s or 1940s, I think, mm. within this thing. And Vince D'Offro was a, was a bad guy. It's just fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, he is playing the Kingpin. Private Piles from Full Metal Jackets. Yeah. Kingpin. Wow, no, it it just looked very cool. It, it, a very good choice, I, I must admit. I, I I saw the pictures as well today and thought, yeah, do you know what? I can imagine him playing that sort of kingpin character definitely. So, Dave, after that bombshell, what bit of news could you possibly have to 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 geek me out as much as Vincent D'Onofrio playing the kingpin? Okay, I have one for you, sir. We all know that I love a bit of the old Batman. We Who all. Doesn't? We all know that more than anything, I love the Joker. Absolutely. We all know that my Joker is Mark Hamill. And we all know that I love a bit of Star Wars. So this week, I geeked out more than I could ever imagine as Mark Hamill did the voice conversation between the Joker and Luke Skywalker. Did you have a chance uh, to listen to this? No, and it's I, it's something I've been meaning to do. In fact, I believe I sent you the link without watching it, with meaning to watch it. But as soon as I saw it, I was just like, Dave's going to love that. Send oh, it on. It was so good, honestly. It was part of uh, it was Walt Disney World's annual Star Wars celebration. So it was Star Wars weekend in uh, for this year. And uh, he, <laughs> he basically has an on-air identity crisis and talks to himself. I would urge every single milkster get onto the milkingitpodcast.com check out the link you will not regret it he every single time I see Mark Hamill performing live in front of an audience I realize what a great actor he is and um, you do not get that from watching Star Wars alone sirs and ladies and um, honestly the milkingitpodcast.com Get on there, watch that link. It's Mark Hamill voicing the Joker and Luke Skywalker having a conversation with each other. It's it's insane, but it's absolutely brilliant. Tempora et omnia mutantur, Latin for times changes all things, and things must change. Here is Jay. He has changed. He is no longer doing the sticky thumb fun emporium. This week, he begins his onward journey as he presents Games News. The sticky floor fun emporium is changing again. Like you would do with your shitty old pants. I'm trying to be more like the cool kids who sit at the back of the bus, whereas I have to sit above the wheel and suffer the disgrace that is those public transport erections. My satchel covers my groin, but not my dignity. They know, they definitely know. Now, those cool kids at the back of the bus are, of course, Boulamont and Mr. David Davis, and they know how to bag the cheerleader. And that is, of course, by wooing her with geek news. So rather than review shitty old iPhone games that you won't even play, I'm going to give you game news instead. Ho ho! What a fun time for all! Now, I'm not going to take a dump in the Milking It Towers foyer. Well, I am as soon as it's built, because you've got to christen these things, right? The two team captains of this vessel will be going into these stories with far deeper penetration and a more masterful technique than I could ever muster. Instead, I'm going to present you with my five game news highlights of the gaming week and smear them with my snarky stain. It'll stink! So, without further ado, get it down, you boy! Story 1. E3 is upon us and it's creeping us out by smelling our hair and groaning. 
giant screens, booth babes, fat industry types in polo shirts, shorts and lanyards. <sighs> Unfortunately, due to the timing of this recording, you won't get any news on this video game spectacular here. What an excellent way to start off this new segment, eh? Oh well, I'll pick my highlights from this affair next week. Stay tuned. Story 2. The Last Guardian is cancelled. Or is it? If you're a gamer and want to sound a bit pretentious, you simply have to declare your undying love for Team Ico, the auteurs behind Shadow of the Colossus and um, uh, Ico. At E3 2009, they announced they were working on The Last Guardian, due for release in 2011. And it was great, wasn't it? Do you remember that, huh? Last Guardian? Great. Oh, Game of 2011. That was uh, never released. Oh, good. Right. Um, It's still in development, then? Well, yes. Sort of. We think. At the moment. IG and Russia announced that Team Ico had taken the doggy dragon behind the woodshed on Saturday last week. If you don't get that reference, go and watch Old Yeller. Ah, so, is it dead? Well, no. Or yes. No one's too sure. Various Sony and Team Ico staff have been making statements over the following 24 hours. So far, it's on hiatus, it's in the mix, and it's waiting to be reintroduced. Could this be an ingenious leak designed to gauge public opinion just a few days ahead of E3? Well, who knows? See me astride my stallion of cynicism. I shall gallop around until I get my answer. We shall see the truth. Story 3. Arkham Knight Delayed. Hey, remember that shiny new next-gen console you bought? The one that has no games to play on it that you couldn't just play on older consoles? Yes! You remember it. Your pet or child went without a single meal that month, so you could buy an expensive plastic box that... did something? You can't even remember what it does, can you? Well, at least you'll get to play the closing part of Rocksteady's Arkham Trilogy before the snows of winter hit, eh? Those last-gen paupers can tremble outside your window as you gloat and flick them the festive bird. Well, not so fast. Turn round. Those paupers are writing twat in the frost on your window glass. Arkham Knight has been delayed until 2015 because Jesus has forsaken us yet again. Let's remain positive and hope we get an even better game at the end of it. Otherwise, I'm covering my PS4 in Tipex and crying until it does something nice for me. Story 4. Mario Kart 8 boosts Wii U console sales by 666%. Yes, the percentage of the beast. While us early adopters of Sony and Microsoft twiddle our thumbs, those canny Nintendo fanboys got yet another awesome exclusive this month. The king of kart racers clearly evoked fond memories in the families of waggled plastic wheels around in their living rooms just a few years ago on the Wii, as a fair few of them have just laid a handful of folding on game shop desks in exchange for Nintendo's much maligned newer hardware. Could this be the turning point in the console war? Will Nintendo make the comeback of comebacks like Rocky in Rocky's 3 and 4 and 5? No. And finally, story number five. 
2011 Japanese dating sim Hatuful Boyfriend is finally getting released in the West on the PC and the Apple Mac. Coders Devolver and Mediatonic have translated this popular title into English and updated the game engine and will be releasing it later this year. Why on earth am I blathering on about this Japanese dating guff? Well, because it's weird. Weird by even Japanese dating sim standards. The player controls a teenage girl who just happens to be the only human in a college full of photorealistic pigeons. Yes, you date pigeons. Not pigeons who are like furry pigeons that look like boys. Actual pigeons. What? What? Thankfully, it's not a hentai title, so the bird won't be bringing the worm back to her underage nest or anything. But it's still super creepy. It brings a whole new meaning to the hobby of the pigeon fancier. We all knew that Jack Duckworth was going out into the garden to slip his birds a length. Poor old neglected Vera. No wonder she was so angry all the time. Pent-up bestiality jealousy is the worst kind of jealousy. You'll have to trust me on that one. Lawyer's orders! So that's the non-E3 game news. Stay tuned for the boys' thoughts on the actual meat of E3. I'll be back next week after I've had a good route round in the gristle for anything they might have missed. See you soon. Goodbye. So that was the geek news this week. You might have thought it was a little light. However, it is not because this week has been all about, as Jay has just mentioned, E3. It has happened and, well, we're in the wake of it. There has been some good things, some bad things, some interesting things, some things to make you annoyed, some things to get you really and angry um my thoughts will be coming in a second so boo your overall thoughts of e3 this year well dave it was a lot of re-releases reboots mm. and um and hd versions of this and the other nothing new to take away from this year's e3 lots of um kind of unexpected stuff that i didn't know i wanted anyway and a couple of bits of news that you and I had predicted many moons ago, all of that time ago when we began the Milk In It podcast. One specific bit of news that we knew was coming. And we've actually already talked about it at length. But um, I digress. Yes, E3 is over. And uh, we've got all of our game news for the next 12 months. Some of it good, some of it bad. And um, definitely a step in the right direction for Microsoft, Mr. David. Yeah, I thought, considering last year uh, Microsoft came out, <laughs> as many of us will remember, uh, Microsoft came out of their uh, their conference at E3 um, looking like idiots. And they, they announced a lot of stuff for the Xbox One, which they ended up backpedaling on, and they didn't do, and they cancelled, and they changed, and everything else. But this year they made a big difference, because they actually came out and said, right, we're going to do our conference, and it is only going to be about games. It's like, oh, thank God for that. You're not going to be spending all your time talking about social media and interaction, and you can do this, that, and the other. You can play games. All you want to do is play games. So they announced loads of games, and actually... The stuff that I saw, and it's, it's one of the first sort of E3 things that I've watched uh, where I was able to sit there totally unbiased. I no longer work for the game industry. Shock. Spoiler alert. Um, so I can just sit there and enjoy it as a fan. And as a fan, I was really impressed by what they had you know, showing at E3. Yes, I agree with you. It is a lot of reboots. It's a lot of, oh, come and play this in HD. Um, but there's also some great stuff. Uh, did you see the Call of Duty Advanced Warfare thing? 
Yeah, no, I've seen bits and pieces. I mean, mm. I've seen the initial trailers. It does look quite good, and it and it's and it's different. It's different from the other Call of Duties, which is yes. essential. It looks like it's been designed for next gen, as opposed, which is what we said last year when they were releasing stuff. It, it was all like the sort of PC ports, and you know, you were just like, oh, okay, yeah, it looks, it's just a bit polished. But this does actually look like it's been designed to work on the next gen. I was really impressed. The E3, the, the, the demo of Call of Duty Advanced Warfare was really good. I know, I'm to- I totally agree. Um, I, I probably stated this before. I, I used to love the Call of Duty franchise, but mm. every year it was the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, until I just lost interest. I think I liked Black Ops 1. I think that was the last one I really played a lot of, um, which is, God, four years ago now? Yeah, yeah. Jeez, uh, four, three or four years ago. Um, so I'm really glad to see that they've taken people's advice and um, it's going to stop being a running joke now, Call of Duty being rehashed every year because they have actually done something different. It's going to be futuristic weapons, drones and kind of stuff like mm. that. And yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see how it plays out. And of course, um, is it Kevin Spacey's got the... Mm. Got a role in it, so... Um, yeah, Kevin Spacey playing one of the lead protagonists in the uh, new Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Um, the thing that, like we said before, is that they've now gone into that three-year cycle, so they've, they've introduced an extra um, studio to work on the games. So you're not going to get that thing of they're trying to churn out games every other year. They've now got time to, and, and to be fair, they make the money off them so they can afford to do it. They've now got three studios working on Call of Duty games, which is uh, pretty cool. But yeah, I, I, I'm, it's never been my kind of ideal cup of tea. But but things I saw in the Xbox presentation, I genuinely thought looked really cool. Look, the, the graphics looked amazing. The you know the, the voice animation, and everything else looked really cool. So I'm I'm genuinely looking forward to uh, to playing that. I'm sticking with first-person shooters on Microsoft, Dave. The announcement of Halo Five and the Master Chief mm. Collection. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and say it now. I'm not a big fan of Halo. I'm not like a, the world's biggest Halo fan. I, I remember when Halo 1 came out, it was revolutionary. Halo mm. 2 came out, it, because we're not, uh, as mentioned previously, on various Milking podcasts, we're not big online <laughs> gamers, are we? No. And, and the main selling point for the Halo franchise is the um, flawless multiplayer um, um, part of the game. Mm. I, 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 I kind of like the mechanics and the controls, the Halo games, but I'm not a massive Halo fan. So I'm not going to go mad for the fact that they've released Halo 1 to 4. However, I would be interested in Halo 5 because it is built for the Xbox One and it is a next-generation game. I don't don't want to play things I've played before. When they say in HD, they just mean in more HD. I've played these games in HD because they were running in HD on the the 360. So it's just an extra little bit of polish and um, it's not enough to get me to buy the collection. But as I said, I will definitely give Halo 5 a go. Um, just because it's been built for these new generation consoles. Yeah, you see, I'm, I'm coming from a different end, is that I've never, ever played a Halo game. So the idea of being able to sort of play the collection up to the point of the new one, that that appeals, to be fair. So I, I would be one of those guys in the queue to probably give that a go day one, um, especially if it is HD. And I believe every single game carries a 1,000 game points. And as we know, I'm a big fan of the old digital dick-waving that is the Xbox Gamer Points. It's true. He really is. Um, <laughs> sticking with Xbox, did you get a chance to check out Sunset Overdrive from Insomniac Games? I saw, yeah, I saw the trailer for it. It looks, um, 
it's kind of a, a, a mashup between Pain and um, I, I, probably another game that I've never seen. But it, it just looked like the most bizarre sort of arcadey game, really. It, it, yeah, it, we were talking about it like the other week on the Milk and Podcast, but we said mm. it was kind of like it's got the Bioshock uh, Infinity feature of yeah, having the Skyhook thing. And the, yeah. No, I mean it looks really cool. Well, they've announced it's coming out on the on the twenty eighth of October. It's going to have an eight player online mode called Chaos Mode. It looks fun. Um, I need to see a demo first, as always. But um, no, I'm, I'm quite, I'm, I'm willing to give that a try. Is that coming out as a, a as like a full game in terms of in the in the stores, or is that that one... is a full priced, full premium? Yeah, Xbox see, One's to me that that comes across as something like the sort of Batman game that they did, where you could um, create your own characters and Gotham City Imposters. There we go, dude. Thank you. You this this is why we do a podcast together because I can't fucking remember these things. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it looks like something like that. It does that does not look like a game I am going to pay. 50 quid for at all no and uh, I, I that's why i need to see around it it's a new ip it's new ideas insomniac games they're they're a decent company and um they've made some decent games um specifically for the playstation so this is their kind of first foray into uh, major xbox games and um oh. we'll give it a try we'll give it a try did you by any chance see any of the ea conference by the way david um yeah i saw bits and pieces from it um there was some stuff that interested me. There was some stuff that made me think, really? Um, yeah. I mean, to, to, for me, I, I'm not, I didn't like the first two Dragon Age games, but Dragon Age 3 does look yes. pretty. Yeah, it looks very, very good. Um, that kind of got me excited in the sense that, obviously, there is the no announcement this year for... Um, as we've spoken before, there's nothing from uh, Oblivion in terms of, like... Um, uh, Skyrim or uh, Fallout no, or anything no, like that. No, so. but well, you, you say that but Elder Scrolls Online uh, is hitting mm. uh, the next gen console. It's not the yeah, same, but, but later than we thought. Yes, it has been delayed. It's been delayed. Um, but uh, the reason I mentioned EA specifically is there was only one game that I wanted to talk about from the EA conference. Cool, and that was the new Mass Effect. Go on, Dave. Why don't you tell us? I'm, I'm sure you played Mass Effect. I have. I have played all of the Mass Effect games. Excellent. And I enjoyed them thoroughly. However, I am not a subscriber to the, oh my god, this is amazing, kind of Mass Effect thing. It's, um, mm, okay. It, it's, a, it's a great game. The voice acting is brilliant. Um, I'd be interested to see what they do. But I have never found them an immersive experience in terms of, oh, right, I want to go back and try and do this, this, and this. It's a playthrough once and discard. It's... I've I've never got involved in the universe that is Mass Effect. Yeah, I I was I must have been one of the only players in the world that I actually did I finished Mass Effect one, two and three, and did not care less about whether my decisions influenced the, the end game. To me, there were three separate RPGs from the same you know from the same stories well, it's a trilogy and then everyone was up in arms because they didn't like the ending or they didn't feel that their decisions influenced how the game eventually played out which was the promise from the start yeah um i think as long that maybe they should avoid making that kind of promise for this new start let's just have a game for what it is a game it doesn't need to lead on to the next one and the next one although i've no doubt that it will oh yeah of course it's a massive franchise now isn't it yeah, yeah no it's huge there's a movie um rumored as well so Ugh. I mean we, this is definitely not the last we've, we've heard of Mass Effect 
No, definitely. Um, the, the, the big one for me uh, as well, uh, coming out of the uh, the Microsoft one, the uh, Tomb Raider unveil. Well, the two Tomb Raider games that were unveiled, mm, David. Indeed. That's so it. they are actually going to be making a Tomb Raider game for the next gen. So recently we've been playing, well, I've been playing the, uh, the uh, Tomb Raider reboot, which was... Uh, remastered and rebooted for next gen just by giving a little shitty shine uh, uh, Dave, the best Tomb Raider game they have ever made that is the one oh, the yes, reboot yeah, it was yeah because it, it was it was modelled on um, sort of Last of Us and Uncharted so there was lots of sort of quick time events and uh, and very good graphics but it, it was, was something to say about going around with a fully levelled up bow and arrow like in that game there, there really is like that is fun. Well, there you go. So you're going to get a brand new game, Rise of the Tomb Raider, coming in 2015. So that that to me looked very good. That that was one of the things that impressed me. Yes, and I mean, did you play the arcade game? This is the other Tomb Raider game that they've mentioned, which is the sequel to Guardian of Light. It's Lara Croft and the Tomb and the Temple of Osiris. Uh, it's the sequel to Guardian of Light. It's a top-down affair. It's a co-op um, top-down yeah. affair. It, it, it was all right. Um, but this leads me on to my next point, hmm. which is going to be a bone of contention for both of us, my friend. And I've held off on actually talking to you about <laughs> it until now. But uh, did you see the Fable Legends trailer from E3? Um, oh, God. Yes, I did. Yeah. Right, Dave, never have I gone from excitement to disappointment so quickly. At the beginning of the trailer, it I looked know. like it was going to be a cooperative Fable, third person, yeah. like the actual Fable games. Yeah. Then the gameplay came onto the screen. Mm-hmm. It is a top-down multiplayer affair, not the Fable game that I want. Um, when I saw it, it said Lion's Head Presents, and I was like, fucking hell, this is it. I, uh, just disappointment, just crushed. I don't like the top-down games. Uh, the Tomb Raider one, yeah, it's all right. I played it because it was free on Xbox Game for Gold. Mm. Um, I wouldn't have chosen to buy it. It was all right for what it was. Fable Legends, though, that is just, in my opinion, it's a waste of of a decent franchise because there has been no announcement for a proper Fable sequel. We've had to put up with Kinect games and um, multiplayer kiddie-looking fighter games, but no actual Fable games. So this is like the third non-Fable fable game that they've announced or uh, that's come out in between fable three and and whatever's next it's it's hard because yeah i I, as you know and we've spoken about this many times i am a massive fan of the fable franchise but it's hard to defend it when they do things like that you just think no that's not really what i want to play that's yeah um I would be very, very interested to see if they do announce a, a, a Fable game on the next gen. However, what I'm worried about is that they will follow that current trend and say, oh, yeah, we're going to release Fable 3 on the next gen. And it's just Peter Molyneux no longer involved with the Fable franchise. So what happens now is up to them. But, um, yeah, disappointing to see um, what they've said in terms of E3. And... I have no interest in playing online all the time 
with other people. It's that's not my kind of thing. But I, and I'm gutted because I really thought there was going to be a brand new Fable game that I could get excited about. Yeah, I've got the brand new console. Yeah, come on, yeah, let's get on board. No, no, no. Thank you. Um, a couple of a couple of side mentions and something that would not interest you at all, Dave. But um. One of the games announced at E3 was a Mario Maker game where you can create your own Mario levels. Mm. I, I'm I'm still a little fan of the old school, and that that was one of the only things coming out the Nintendo conference that appealed. Obviously, Smash Brothers, uh, the big announcement that Pac-Man is a playable character. Um, yes. it, it, it looks kind of cool. Don't get me wrong. I love Nintendo, but it's the problem is Nintendo only comes out on Nintendo, and I need more out of my games. Like I want mm. a Wii U, but I don't want to pay two hundred odd quid for one is what they're going for at the moment no and, and and to be fair the new zelda game coming out on the wii u looks how could i forget zelda brilliant. how could i forget zelda yes it does look rather good but yeah there's a couple of decent things to take out of that nintendo conference but as i said it was that it was the mario maker that appealed the most just the idea of it uh, a level editor um within a game just um but mario what more do you want uh, but sorry and the last thing to take out that nintendo one was they announced Star Fox as well so they're basically yeah they're, they're just clearing through the old, <laughs> literally oh, no, pushing a fucking broom through the old. Oh, and this year we've had a new Zelda, a new Star Fox, and a new uh, Mario game announced. Mm. Is this nineteen ninety three? Indeed, they've suddenly realised. Oh, 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 okay, we're, we've got to do it. Yeah, but to, to, to the same effect though. Um, the other consoles have announced things like a new Mirror's Edge. Like really? Was everyone crying out for a new Mirror's Edge? No. Uh, yeah, uh, Dave. I'm, oh I have God, to, Dave! No. I have to. I have to correct you massively. Mirror's Edge is a massive hit. Uh, was a massive hit with gamers, including myself. Oh. It was a breath of fresh air from the mechanics to the level design to the, to the minimalist kind of um, colours they use. Mirror's Edge. People have been crying out for a sequel for ages. So maybe not from your. Um, spectrum of video games, but Mirror's Edge <laughs> was one of the most awaited games at E3, really? along with and so this is the last last thing I completely forgot to mention about the Nintendo conference. Quite a few years ago, a game was released on the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360, hmm. which blew my tiny little mind. And that game was called Bayonetta. Remember Bayonetta? I do. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I remember me and a certain other person we worked yeah, with. Time yeah, went crazy for it. Yeah. Well. There was a bit of disappointment a couple of years back when Bayonetta 2 was announced as a Wii U exclusive. Nintendo were fronting the bill for that one. Well, you lucky Wii U owners, when you buy your copy of Bayonetta 2, it's been announced that not only will you get the wondrous new Bayonetta 2, you'll also be treated to a slightly upgraded version of the first game. You lucky sods. Wow. Just uh, honestly, if you guys have not played Bayonetta before, it is awesome. Really, really awesome. It's like Devil May Cry, but just so much better, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, okay. A couple of things that um, piqued my interest from E3. Um, uh, well, not necessarily from E3, but just the, uh, they put trailers up at the same time, so people got excited. Mortal Kombat X. Uh... Definitely deserved the mention. Mm. Um, did you see the Leprechaun character that they've added to the roster? I did, yes. I'm very <laughs> excited. I, I it's using the same uh, sort of gameplay as Injustice, so it looks really good. It just it, it looks like they've designed it for the next gen, which obviously they have. Um, I am on board, sir. Mortal Kombat X, I look forward to playing. The most exciting thing, and this is going to sound terrible, especially if you're a Mortal Kombat fan, but I'm going to say it. The most exciting thing for me about Mortal Kombat uh, 10 being released is you know what's coming after, don't you? Injustice 2. 
Yes, but as we said before on the Nothing Podcast, who are they going to include? Who who has not been included in Injustice 1? And that is going to be half the fun of getting all the news mm, in. I suppose so. And we'll be here on Milking Podcast to tell you what's going on. Okay, the other one that I need to mention is the fact that uh, Batman Arkham Knight oh, has been... Uh, they've, they've shown more about why the Batmobile is your best friend. That's right, Dave. And also, uh, I believe you had a little bit of an issue with um, the mecha suit, shall we say, of Batman this time round. I did because... <sighs> okay. Um, I watched the trailer and I'm a big Batman fan. Like, possibly, I, I dare to say, amongst the Milking It multiverse, I am the biggest Batman fan of us all. Um, I love the Dark Knight. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I love the Dark Knight. I love everything he does. But, his suit is a really important thing and the suit they presented in this trailer for the Arkham Knight was worryingly robotic um, I understand because Arkham City he does the whole sort of drop thing and gets the suit on and it sort of clips onto him and that's fine but this is like totally Robocop like literally whirring clicking things going all over his face like three or four face plates making up the face mask and so that's not for me that that that's not batman to me it, and and if it is then i should be pretty much invincible during this game because you've just put armor plating all over the face and the neck and the chest and ah uh, i don't know i just i i didn't like that but the stuff i saw of the batmobile i really liked however batman doesn't use guns unless he's in the batmobile apparently <laughs> and then it's okay and then it's fine yeah you can shoot the shit anything you want yeah completely but um, overall the Arkham Knight there's uh, about four or five minutes of gameplay on there it's the same old engine but it looks amazing I cannot wait to play this game I am and, um, gutted they sorry. put it back but I, I understand why they're going to develop it more and they're going to make sure it's absolutely perfect. I would rather play a perfect game than a game they rushed out. So, yep, absolutely take it back. Do it. Uh, make it amazing. I look forward to just soaring round that HD Gotham. It looks absolutely beautiful. Did you also hear that the, the uh, PlayStation 4 has got exclusive Scarecrow content? Mm, yes, I did. Talking about Scarecrow last week, weren't we? On, on, in terms of the trailer and uh, yeah, that kind of thing. No, that's good. that looks really cool. I'm really looking forward to Batman Arkham Knight. And yeah, like you said, I'm glad they pushed it back a little bit just to give it that more time to brew. A um, couple more games I wanted to talk about. One which won't affect you at all, Dave, um, and that is the announcement that the fantastic Uncharted series continues with Part Four on the PS4. Um, mm. Drake looks better than ever. Um, I'm, I, I'm a PlayStation guy and an Xbox guy, so I'm, I'm lucky in that regard. Um, but um, I, I love the Uncharted games. I've played all three, finished all three. Uh, I find them charming. I think the stories are well written. The game's well directed. The graphics are fantastic. And it's an overall fantastic cinematic experience. And um, I, I'm, it may be the thing that pushes me to get a PlayStation 4 when the money's right and the time is right. Um, to grab a copy of Uncharted 4. No, definitely. Uh, Uncharted uh, has been one of my favourite things to play. Um, I wish I had a PS4. There's been a number of games this week that they've talked about, especially at E3. But I... I, I oh, jeez, yeah, Grim Fandango's coming back, isn't it? Grim <laughs> Fandango. Uh, okay, anyone who's heard our episode where, where I talk about the LucasArts games... Um, 
Grim Fandango is one of those games that I have played recently and it still stands up, apart from the control scheme that's a little bit skewed. But oh, I cannot wait to play that again. They've hinted this week it's going to be available on more than the PS4 and Vita. However, initially it is just going to be on those two consoles. So I look forward to the announcement that I can play that on my Xbox because it's just one of the greatest. All right, Dave. Um, I think the last major, major bit of news i've got um coming out of e3 i mean there was a couple of little bits that i didn't think were worth mentioning um that have already been released believe it or not there was the announcement and on the day release of the super dead rising 3 hd ultra super edition plus alpha yes Um, (laughs) adds four player co-op and lets you cosplay in their words as uh, some of the more famous uh capcom characters ryu people like that mega man um it looks really awesome, but um, it's already out. So, I mean, that was a quick turnaround. Uh, we didn't talk about Far Cry 4, which is shaping up to be fantastic. But mm. when more information comes through, we'll talk about that more at length. Absolutely. The main thing I wanted to mention, and what sadly appears to be the biggest news coming out of E3, is something that me and the D predicted all the way back in the dark ages of the early mm. days of the Milky Way podcast. Yes. In fact, I believe I said that if they did do what we presumed they were going to do, that I would not go back. Um, and that is the, well, it's not earth-shattering in any way. It was the very much expected announcement that mm. GTA Five is coming to the next generation of consoles and the long-awaited PC version has finally been announced as well. I've already put in a good 40 or 50 hours into my GTA on PS3. Yeah. Uh, as I said, we're not massive online players. I did finally get around to playing the online mode, and it's kind of cool. I don't think it's enough to get me to go back. To, uh, to um, GTA 5. So Dave, would you go back? <sighs> okay, so I would say no. However, I know what I'm like in terms of wanting to play games that look slightly better than the last time I played them. So I would say no, I won't go back. But I would not put money on me when it comes out actually picking up a copy and trying it on the next gen just because I want to see what it looks like. The main thing that annoys me, and like you say, we have talked about this since the moment the GD consoles came out. We said there was going to be an announcement that they were releasing GTA on the next gen. The, the thing that annoys me is I was so looking forward to E3 because I thought there was going to be an announcement of an IP in terms of Red Dead or... Do you know what? I would have taken a Max Payne game. Whoa, whoa. Or, no, no, no. This better not be the announcement. That better not be what they were talking about when they were talking about Bully um, and Red Dead. Shit, I hadn't, Dave, I hadn't thought of that. Dave, what dude, have you done, man? That's it, mate. That's oh, it. shit. That I hadn't the, thought that. Yeah, that's it. That is their announcement, man. That it, you can pick this up towards the end of the year, which not only shits in the mouth of every single person that bought a next gen console, and you had. We may as well have waited a year because there is nothing that is coming out of E3 that says, "Well done, you purchased this console. These are the games we were developing before," because they weren't. All they were developing were games that were out before that you can buy as a next-gen HD remix. 
And now they're saying the biggest game ever in the history of the last generation is now going to be available in HD. It was in HD before, kids. But now you can get more poppies in the field <coughs> when you wake up all shitted out of your face. Oh, brilliant. Okay, I'll look forward to that. I, so, I, I've just got to say, Dave, that um, I was at a friend's house yesterday and he was playing uh, GTA on a big screen TV on his PS3. Mm. For the last few days, I've been playing Watch Dogs on Xbox One. I have to say, and this isn't a diss on, on Watch Dogs because I'm, I, I enjoyed my time playing Watch Dogs. However, GTA 3 on the PS3 looks the same, if not better, graphically right now than, than the, the version of Watch Dogs that I was playing. You know, what can they do other than add new textures? And and, and even then, it's just going to look slightly sharper. To, you're, you're basically just brightening up a Picasso. It, it's already perfect. Why why go back? But I totally see why it's dollar signs. How I mean, so many people are going to have bought two copies of this game. And, they, you know, it recouped its money back on, on in like one day. Like, this is a machine. Yeah. This is a money-making yeah. it's, machine. It, it's massive. I, I, I totally understand why they're doing it. I totally understand why it happens. But it doesn't mean I am happy as a gamer this is happening. Because everything I saw from the PS4 um, sort of trailer they did, where you could see how they've reimagined the graphics. And because I, I think we're quite lucky, because we have returned to the game quite recently, so we can see the difference between the graphics. It just looks like a PC version. Again, like we said, it, it the next gen should be about whole new games, whole new experiences. This is a PC port completely and utterly. And Rockstar, sorry, but you, you had that chance to hint, at least hint, put out a poster to say, oh, yeah, this is going to be something we're going to do in the future, but nothing this year. <laughs> Football, it's a funny old game, but not as funny as the backstory bollocks this week as told by our man, Jay Hodgkin. This backstory bollocks is brought to you by the 2014 FIFA World Cup. Yes, indeed. A proud moment for all of us here at the Milk Inc. Studio, which exists in the heart rather than in any tangible state. This segment, this very segment, is an official partner of the 2014 World Cup. It is the official Backstory Bollocks podcast segment of the 2014 FIFA World Cup. They've given us corporate seats at the final and everything. I'm going to be sat next to the representative of the official tin peaches of the 2014 FIFA World Cup and the official fake Rick Witter of the 2014 FIFA World Cup of the official Shed 7 tribute band of the 2014 FIFA World Cup. We're going to be sat behind the 10 actual fans allowed into the stadium once all the corporate tickets are doled out. I hope I don't have to use the same toilet as them, this non-official riffraff of the 2014 FIFA World Cup. I might catch something. Maybe that World Cup fever they're going on about on the telly. So yes, Backstory Bollocks is football themed this week because topical is good, right? Now, surprisingly... While this is about characters in a football game, it's not about those depicted in FIFA World Cup 2014, the video game, the uh, official video game of the 2014 FIFA World Cup. Despite this being sponsored by FIFA as the official Backstory Bollocks podcast segment of the 2014 FIFA World Cup. 
Why? Well, because the characters in the FIFA World Cup 2014 video game, the official video game of the 2014 FIFA World Cup, are real people. They've got lots of money and very good lawyers. While I could tell you about the time that Frank Lampard in James Milner's throat while he emptied his onto Joe Hart's chest, neither I nor the official legal team of the 2014 FIFA World Cup fancy that. Besides, they're too busy investigating allegations of corruption after the vote for the venue for the 2026 World Cup was awarded to Nix, the fifth moon of Pluto. A Russian oligarch was seen leaving Sepp Blatter's bank after the announcement, wearing a spacesuit because he wants to get to Nix in time to oversee the construction of the diamond-encrusted single-seater stadium come return vessel by sobbing child slaves. He plans to use the tears that they shed from being told they will never see their families again and die from an asphyxiating death to give the ball more zip and to encourage quicker passing. How nice of him. No, no, no. This backstory box isn't going to be about anyone real at all. Instead, we're going to be catching up with some of the retired players from Pez United from the very first Pro Evolution soccer game released by Konami in 2001. Yes, Pro Evo. The thinking man soccer game crumpet to FIFA's Nuts magazine model. The Pez United team arguably peaked when they beat um, Merseyside Red in a thrilling final for the prestigious um, England League Cup on Christmas Day 2001, just before the PlayStation 2 was switched off so I could watch the BBC One premiere of Flubber. The team's excellent potential was sadly curtailed by a tragic accident just a few days later, when their careers were cut short by a corrupted memory card file. Never forget. After disbanding, the players sought careers outside of video game football. Russian goalkeeper Innovov returned to his former role as the bald dude drinking vodka in the background of Zangief stage in Street Fighter 2. He had applied with Capcom to be the creepy dude doing something weird to a chicken in Chun-Li's level, but was ultimately happy with the outcome. He gets to get turbo drunk at work, only has to put in a two animation frame shift every day. Towering blonde centre-back Stromer became a level decorator during the early years of the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. It was he that came up with the concept of making every game utilise the full spectrum of grey and brown colour palettes for a while, a look that still resonates today. Another member of that successful Pez United 2001 squad was the reserve defensive midfielder Cecil. Now, here he is in a 2006 interview telling you just how he ended up as the merchant in Resident Evil 4. <laughs> what are you buying? Ah, you just want to know about my time at Pez United, do you? I was seeking a transfer to Spain, you see, to see the world, you know. Then I got a call from Capcom and they asked me if I wanted to join the Los Ganados. I'd never heard of that team. As a player with middling stats, I could hardly wait around for Barcelona to make a call. So I met with them and they promised me a decent wage. So I signed for them that day. <laughs> what a deal. How was I supposed to know it wasn't actually a football team, but a bunch of villagers possessed by disgusting alien parasites? I ended up wangling the cushy job of 
weapon salesman due to my time working as a market trader in old London town when I was 14. It's not too dissimilar really. When it comes to it, selling sniper rifles is just as easy as selling marrows. Especially when you have just got only one customer who keeps trying to swap me old crowns and gold cats in exchange for shotgun shells. <laughs> Thank you. Finally, Brazilian striker Castaldo returned home to Rio de Janeiro after retiring to live with his parents completely penniless. He blew his huge fortune on ridiculously English excesses. Daily baths in cherry aid, fine suits made from ta- the tattooed skin of the beast's recently deceased Newcastle United fans, a cavalcade of souped-up old Fords that he revved up to impress teenage girls in Tesco car parks at 2am and breeding championship standard Chuckle Brothers to enter into minor celebrity dressage events. He said to now hate living back in Brazil as he is sick to death of samba music and that's all they ever play these bloody days because of the tourists coming over to watch the bloody World Cup and the flipping 2016 Olympics. Right, well that's me done. I'm off to the official private chartered airplane of the 2014 FIFA World Cup and travel to South America. While we're sat on the plane, myself and the official sweating Albanian businessman of the 2014 FIFA World Cup are looking at pictures of starving, impoverished Brazilian children and laughing until we vomit. Thank you. That's it from the official Backstory Bollocks podcast segment of the 2014 FIFA World Cup. Go Lazio! So, that was episode 27, as I said. Can you imagine? We reached episode 27. As always, you can contact us on Twitter. It's at TTugger. If you want to get in contact via email, it's milkingitpodcast at gmail.com. Or milkingitpodcast.com if you fancy getting on board with our Facebook page. Thank you to Jay for his drop-ins. As always, absolutely amazing. John Sands, the music you hear that tickles your ear. He's the man responsible. Dino Peppers, he's the guy who does little doodles. Can you see the, the drawings that you see when it comes on here? Anyway, episode 27. I'm David Davis. I'm Boulamont, and don't forget to join me and the, the, the guy that does the drawings, Dino, uh, for the Totally Insane Tape Show. That's available every week, available on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and everywhere else good podcasts are available. So join us next week for more Speaky of the Geeky. That's right, Speaky of the Geeky. Join us next week. It's the Milking It podcast. You want to milk it and you know. You've got to milk it and you know. Welcome everyone to the Milking It podcast, the podcast that as always tugs the teeth of popular culture until it explodes all over your face. I'm David Davis. And? Yes, that's right. It's episode 27. Can you imagine episode 27? And thanks to a wonderful review we've just received from the podcast magazine based in the old US of A, we are dedicating this week's podcast to all y'all Americans. So grab a hamburger, put your cowboy boots on the desk and enjoy. I'm Boulamont, by the way. Oh, fuck. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that again. <laughs> <clears throat> I was like, he's completely... He's, sorry, he's I've like, completely sorry, crashed, that bit, that, crashed your fucking... Yeah. 
you've shit in my cereal, sir. So eager am I to, for people to hear. I know, I know. 